Welcome to the Blockbusters and Birdwalks podcast. I am the curator, Garrett Chaffin Kirai. Today we have a conversation with a friend, Ed Rosa. That's me. Hi. My filmmaking partner and I have a YouTube channel, Toothless Richard Productions, where you can see a number of our short films. Turn me on, God damn it! Yes, please. Please bring it, Ed. Turn yeah. <laughs> me on, comma, God damn it, exclamation point. Yes. I first heard of this movie, I want to say, 10 years or more ago. It's 2011 when mm. this movie is released, in a very limited way in the United States, and in a relatively limited way in Europe. It's Norwegian, which means it's difficult to sample any sound from it because they're not speaking English. Yeah. Much of the music is also not in English, though not all of it. Yeah. And it's very good, too. I'm glad that we chose this because it is an obscuritanist text. Mm. Now, I think I've shared with you that I keep lists of things that I've seen, things that I want to see, so we have that simpatico. Yeah. But among the things that I like doing in that list of things I have seen, and these are features only, I keep my shorts on a different right. list. <laughs> <laughs> I keep track of the countries of origin. Mm. And I like it when I get to mark off a new country. One that yeah. I've never visited, either yeah. in person with my own body, because there's too. a limited number of those, but where I get to sample. Mm -hmm. And I have never seen, I think, I've never seen a purely Norwegian movie. A co-production, sure, but not something just from Norway. Mm -hmm. So that's an additional reason why I was attracted yeah. to this, for other things we're about to talk about. In brief, Turn Me On Goddammit centers on a 15-year-old girl named Alma, played by Helene Bergsholm. Mm -hmm. She has a single mother who looks after her to the limits of her capability, she has a small group of friends, and she lives in a fictionalized, very small town somewhere, I think, in northern Norway. It's a very clean, good-looking yeah. environment, but man, does it look rural. There is yeah. a clubhouse for the kids in town. where they yeah, the, go, youth, the youth the, center, right. where there's like a broken-down like couch in someone's backyard. Right, and they hang out and party, and the, the adults seem to be pretty friendly towards the kids having a sort of parallel world of children. Alma has a thing for a boy named Arthur... This is Matthias Myron. She's sexually frustrated. She gets off by calling a phone sex guy named Stig. We never see. We just hear his voice. Who's very horny sounding, but very supportive of Alma's yeah. growth, although he charges her for his time. She masturbates constantly and fantasizes constantly. We get to see this, this, this <laughs> self-pleasure, and we get to see what her fantasies are all about. Yeah. The problem is that her best friend's sister is hung up on Arthur, and spoils things when Archer, one day at the youth center, literally pulls his erection out of his pants and jabs Alma in the hip. <laughs> when she says this happened to her, to her friends, they choose not to believe her, and she gets this terrible reputation, which runs her down, and Archer won't acknowledge what he has done. Yeah. The movie goes through this in sort of painstaking awkwardness for a while until finally Alma has a walkabout and goes to the big city of Oslo to see her best friend's older sister away at university, catches a glimpse of what adulthood is back, returns home, Arthur confesses that he really loves her, and it closes with him hanging a banner over the high school saying, I poked her with my, my dick. <laughs> and then they have dinner with Alma's mom and ask, can we sleep over? She says no. no. <laughs> yeah, it was great. Now, as a one-time teenager experiencing all the sexual frustration, all of the emotional confusion, all of the 
inability to find an in-group that this character Alma experiences in Norway, though I experienced it in Southern California, made me feel this was plucking the universal harmony of youth everywhere in the world. Found his place, means the travels face, won't travel no more. Alma and her friends bus to school, and every day they pass the sign for their town that says, you know, you're entering blah, yeah, and they flip uh, it off every single time. Scott and Hyman. <laughs> Scott and Hyman. Every time they see it, every time yeah. they flip it off. Yeah. Not every kid on the bus does, but Alma but and her best do. friend do. Because they're hip. Yeah, they're, they get they're, it. They're the ones that aren't content to just like live in this, you know, jerkwater burg. Right. They want out. In fact, the movie opens with this wonderful little voiceover from Alma's point of view where she points out the main features of her town. <laughs> this trampolining set of children who just scream and yell all day. A dog, some sheep. Yeah. A bus stop. The youth center. <laughs> <laughs> and that's it. Yeah. It's a place that you want to escape. Now, I've become old enough and I've been imparented with children to know that sometimes that environment is what you want. It's kind of a middle-aged paradise. It's yeah. comfortable. It's calm. Not too many uh, perilous things to threaten your children. Just the usual things. The yeah. other kids. Yeah. And their own development. Mm -hmm. But as a young person coming up in that feeling trapped and hemmed in, especially if you're precocious in some way, and Alma is inexperienced, but she has appetites. That's the other thing that's remarkable about this. I do not remember being 15 years old and being capable of describing the feelings and desires that I had. Though I had the vocabulary. I had the terms. Mm. <laughs> it would all be blunted into profane jokes. Right. And it would never be about my personal appetites. It would be about what I saw in media. It would be about what I heard an older kid did. It would never be about what Garrett wants. Yeah, what, what you saw in the, the filthy uh, hustler mag that you found un, under like the leaves under a bush somewhere. Totally, which happened. You know, <laughs> I'm grateful that you trait. mentioned hustler in that exact <laughs> bush construction because, yes, that yeah. happened. Yeah, well, you know, that's one of the things, too, that I really did appreciate. It's told from Alma's perspective. And so we are getting, you know, sort of the teenage girl's version of the lust of youth, mm -hmm. right? That when you, the, you know, the hormones are raging. We also get a tiny little bit of the guy's perspective. When Arthur takes his dick out and pokes her with it, <laughs> he doesn't know how else to go about this. Whereas she has all these these elaborate scenarios mm -hmm. planned. And I, I was like, that really does ring true to me. And I read that sequence where he <laughs> unleashes himself yeah. as both really awkward and it's it's stupid, as you pointed out. Right. But then it's also kind of blunt and direct. And I wish I could have been that blunt because she doesn't throw him out. as She doesn't embarrass him for having done it exactly. No, she likes it. I mean, well, she, she, she wants his attention. Right, right. And she actually, you know, and it, it, I mean, she, she chuckles in the moment. Yeah. Which is... He doesn't know. take it as an insult about his, his body size or shape or what it looks like. Why are you just tapping my closed hip? Right. They don't repel each other so much as... It looks to me like they're sharing. Fumbling blindly around, trying to figure out how to navigate through this section of life. I, don't, I didn't get the sense at all that Archer was some kind of creepy, predatory guy. This is basically displayed right at the beginning. They clearly are into each other, but yeah. they don't know how to how to just say, like, hey, like we like each other. Yeah, let's but, hold hands. Maybe maybe we should share a kiss and see if it goes somewhere. Right, right, because they're just clumsy, goofy teenagers, mm -hmm. and they haven't learned the stuff yet. And we even see when uh, Alma runs away to Oslo, and the the guy who is... The roommate of the, her, the her roommate friend, right? of Right, right. 
And, I mean, he's obviously, you know, a college age or slightly older guy. And, I mean, he doesn't try to put the moves on her. You can see just how much more confident and comfortable he is in being around women. What's nice, I, I feel, about this movie, what's honestly nice, I mean, I can imagine trying to show this to people and explain why is Garrett showing us this Norwegian movie. It's got subtitles, and there's an erect penis on screen, and there's this <laughs> exposed bosom, and then there's masturbation. Why are we watching this movie? Well, in my experience, those are aspects of being a young person. Yeah. Learning how oh, all yeah. of those different visions and experiences are definitely part of life, but you have to learn and acknowledge that there's a right place to showcase and enjoy those things. But you don't often get to that unless you've blundered and done shameful things right, that are right. embarrassing to talk which, about. Right, which, and which I think, you know, the people that complain the loudest about it probably have the most skeletons in their closet because Perhaps. everything is projection these days. That's right. Here's a little throwaway moment that I rather enjoyed. Uh, at a certain point, because Alma's phone sex habit becomes knowledgeable to her mother when they get the bill, and she owes a bunch of money. So she agrees, agrees to take a part-time job at the little market that yeah. her best friend's family owns. And so she's, you know, she's the cash register. There's nothing happening. It's boring as can be. There's no customers. <laughs> she fantasizes about the the best friend's father who owns the joint. Right. That's a funny little sequence. Yeah. And in another little sequence, she begins masturbating with a coin roll. Yeah. And then and then looks up from what's happening and realizes Archer is yeah. there <laughs> with his younger sister to buy a magazine or yeah, candy like or a something. Comic book or something, yeah. And they're clearly a little bit slack jawed. And the non judgmental experience of that yeah. Is remarkable. That's not how I remember youth. That's not America. Yeah. Because I, I think that we as a society are far more puritanical and just warped about human sexuality. Like, you know, this sort of classic example, like, you know, in American, you know, cinema, you put all the violence you want, it's PG-13. Sure. But as soon as you've got one exposed breast, R. Right. Right, a and penis. Oh, it's it, you're gonna you, it's, it's you can just forget about distribution, yeah. right? Because the NC-17 is a kiss of death. Now, the added element to that, I'm sure, gets people hot and bothered, is we're watching the exposed penis and the exposed breasts of people who are on screen, meant to be 15, 16 years old tops. Mm-hmm. Uh, the only performer who I could find very good information on through IMDb and Wikipedia was our lead, Ellen Bergsholm. Uh, was I think eighteen when she when she filmed this movie? Mm. So her willingness to do the things that were required of it, she would be then a majority aged person allowed to perform this stuff on film and be recorded doing it. It's not child porn, but for some that's how it would code because she's trying right. to play a fifteen year old. Right. Her friend Arthur, he's supposed to be playing a fifteen year old. My guess is he's probably also eighteen or nineteen. Nobody wants to get in trouble with the law. And again, I remember having a sexual experience. In the beginnings of a sexual life from 11 or 12 on. And I don't mean with other people. I just mean recognizing parts of my new body. Right. Most people, I think, would be honest and say something similar. Somewhere between 11 and 15, you turn on. Right. The other thing. We're watching the awkwardness, these numbskulls, (laughs) trying to figure out how they're going to get along with each other. But going back to my youth and trying to figure out those questions, I was looking at modeled behavior. We've referenced this before, but when Tom Cruise kisses Kelly McGillis... In Top Gun. Mm. And I saw what a French kiss looks like in silhouette while Berlin is playing. It was definitive of what sex making is. Mm -hmm. But those are adults who have gotten gym ripped and they're clothed a certain way and they're lit so in such a way. And Mm -hmm. that warped my thinking about everyday realities that a kid my age then might experience if I could be direct enough, kind enough, and attractive enough to somebody who might want to do any of these activities with me. Right. 
instead of seeing awkward teens behaving awkwardly as a fictional account of awkward teens behaving awkwardly. Mm-hmm. I'm so pleased the movie offers that. So here's another question. Would I let my 11-year-old watch this? Not yet. <laughs> but, but soon, I would leave it available to her if she wanted to see it. Right. The movie also covers the ground of youth experimentation with uh, pot, with tobacco, with alcohol. Now, I was slow to all of those and mostly waited till I was majority age or it was legal. But that wasn't true of many of my friends. And often I was a designated driver to make sure everybody got home safe. That that tended to be my role as a kid. Right. But that's certainly not universal. I was a nerd. Yeah. I was square. A lot of my friends were out just experimenting in all kinds of ways as quickly as they possibly could. Yeah, well, that's that's what I did. Because I was the nerd, but I was acutely aware of that mm-hmm. and wanted to not be mm-hmm. so I actively sought out these things that I thought would give you the adult card a right, little faster right exactly would, that would net me cool points mm-hmm. they didn't <laughs> but <laughs> right. I, I did them nonetheless but you, yeah you learned how to you know deal with cigarette smoke and mm-hmm. you learned how to, to be high and you learned how to mask vodka by refilling the bottle with water until you realize that's foolish and doesn't really well, work yeah, we got, yeah until they go to drink it and they're like, this like is what the hell <laughs> yeah what happened to my vodka well an additional detail when we watch Alma with her older friend it's Maria Maria is the older yeah. sister of her bestie mm-hmm. And Maria and her roommates are very kind to her, and they let her sleep over, and they make contact with her mom to make sure she's returned home safely. But while she's there, she's glimpsing a piece of adulthood. So that put me immediately in mind. I worked at movie theaters. That was my part-time job growing up. And there were a couple of older people at the movie theater when I was a 16-year-old getting a job there, and they were 19 or 20. They were men. They were women out in the world. But some of them had apartments, and they had their car bills, and they had their own insurance, and they had this, and they had that, Mm -hmm. and they lived independently of their parents for various reasons. And they seem very mature because the weight of carrying the weight of their life was based on their hourly wage, based on what they could do. Right. And back then, you could you could get by with roommates on minimum wage. Oh, yeah. Even here in Southern California. The point, though, is I felt when I was around them, especially as I was creeping into my early adulthood, their sense of independence was expressed in having greater flexibility for those things that I was much more sure of. Because they'd been exposed to more. They'd mm-hmm. been forced to deal with more things than I had been forced to deal with. And they weren't as restricted in what they would accept. Right. When Alma returns from Oslo, she's different. Because she sees her small town, not just for the place she flips off when she goes by the sign in the morning on the bus on her way to school, but as just a small place. And there's a much bigger world. Right. She's she, got a sample of it. Right. She, it, it isn't just, a, it isn't just a, the thing of like a fantasy and dreams anymore. She's actually had like a taste of there is something beyond this. It gets better. Yeah, it's that Dan Savage mission about queer youth coming of age and having to suffer through queer phobic families or societies. Yeah. It gets better. Because high just, school is awful. Oh, yeah. Kids are the most evil people on the planet a lot of the time. Uh, and when you're trapped in that world, it's but, totally life threatening. But if right. you if you if you can somehow find a way to just get a sample of there is some there is a reason to live. There is something else out there for me. It's not where I'm at now, but this is only temporary, and I'm going to get right. there. That that can be that that can be you know tremendously rewarding. And and that's part of I think the upside of this movie. We think something dark and terrible could happen, but nothing dark and terrible happens. Mm-hmm. Wonder happens. She realizes the sign to her future can go somewhere else, which is a nice way to think of the fact that I'm identifying very fully with this 15-year-old girl played by an 18-year-old woman, Mm. bringing me back to being a 15-year-old boy in a now 50-year-old body, 
but experiencing a lot of those appetites, confusions, and worries, and then finding there's a thread. There's yeah. there's a way forward that I didn't see when I was caught up in myself and navel-gazing, right. or in her case, and mine too. Yeah. Thinking about the wrong romantic partners, not knowing how to talk to your buddies, feeling isolated and alone and depressed and anxious mm-hmm. and trapped. I don't know. Like, as awkward and weird as she is, she actually kind of is, like, more intelligent and more mature than everybody else that's around her. And that's part of what sets her, you know, apart. I suppose that's right. Yeah, from she, from people, she actually is able to be a little more honest. Right. Right. Well, the fact that she comes in and is like, like, oh, he touched me with his dick, right? And she's a little <laughs> excited about it because she likes this kid, right? Yeah. And like, she's coming to her friends with this news in earnest. Although this debuted in Norway in the summer of 2011. It had a very limited release in the United States in the spring of 2012. And in that spring of 2012, a couple of notable titles that were in the market already were The Hunger Games, the mm. very first of those. That's a different kind of girl's story. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> that for could sure. Be, that could be an interesting double feature. The other title that struck me, there was an American Pie sequel, American Reunion, in April of 2012, which I think, as I recall, features all of the American Pie gang mm-hmm. now in their early 30s becoming parents and mortgage holders and office working people and all of the stuff that happens to a lot of people as they mature. Yeah. Again, it's that crowd that naturalized a certain idea of humor around boys' sexual appetites mm-hmm. with the original American Pie, seeing them now as quasi-middle-aged people or headed that direction. And then, of course, the season concluded more or less with the Avengers demonstrating the might of the MCU (laughs) and firmly establishing a very, very saccharine idea of sexuality against archetypal, beautiful men. Mm -hmm. And then a couple of women who hang out with them wearing tight pants who serve them more or less. And that's, you know, ScarJo playing her role as Black Widow. Black Widow, yeah. Turn Me On Goddammit doesn't do any of that. And I think it's to its credit that it shows up in this moment as a breath of different air. Yeah. That if I had gone to see, I would have said, well, geez, why can't we have much, much more of this Yeah, and maybe a bit less of the other? And even the international release, from what I could determine, it only earned you know a million and a half dollars. And I'm guessing that's probably in Northern Europe and Northern Europe alone. Mm. Because we're not alone, this culture of America, in thinking that focusing on youth sexuality is... Well, it's one of the last taboos that we're really not invested in. Yeah, doing. which is crazy because like it's just that way of thinking about it that keeps it that way, kind mm-hmm. of to me. It, it's funny because we're sitting here talking about this movie. We clearly both enjoyed it, but I just know that like I always say, nothing makes an American audience turn on a film faster than a penis. <laughs> This is Blockbusters and Birdwalks, a conversation between Garrett Chaffin-Kirai and... Ed Rosa. Boop-boopity-doo!